0: It's Mental Health Chat Monday, the new and improved version, honey. This is a series where we sit down with a brand new guest every single week and discuss their journey with mental illness and mental wellness. Because here on Mental Health Chat Monday, our motto is turning mental illness into mental wellness. I am your host, d Bionic. Thank you so much for tuning in today. You know all about me. All of my links are down below. I'm at d Bionic on everything. It's called branding. Look it up. But that is not why we're here today, as you know. We are here to speak with, to chat with a friend that I literally just met today that is now a part of my life forever, professor, entrepreneur, the baddest bitch on the planet Earth, <laughs> the one and only Dr. Amber Jones is here today. Hello. Hello. So you are, I have to be honest, you are my first guest who I haven't known for more than what, a week?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Cool.
0: Yeah, I'm excited because, you know, most of these people that I've interviewed have, like, been friends or, like, people that I know a lot about their story and who they are and where they came from. And I'm like... Oh, cool, cool, I get to actually interview somebody who is actually going to, like, penetrate my mind with things that I did not already know, which I has happened. Are you okay
1: with penetration? Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. This is a versatile
0: household. <laughs> Okay,
1: <laughs>
0: this is going to be Well, what I
1: should have said instead of making a crash joke, um, I'm so, so happy to be here with you, and I feel so honored to be here with you. Thank
0: you. I'm so happy to have you here, and crash jokes are 100%. Okay. <laughs> That's what we live by.
1: More are coming.
0: Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, I want this to feel as comfortable as this whole hour that we have spent getting to know each other. Yes,
1: yes. Sweet.
0: So, introduce yourself to the people. Let them know who you are. Tell us a little bit of your accent story
1: uh okay well you did a really great job so uh i am a professor currently a lecturer um and an entrepreneur um uh what in my backstory should i talk about whatever you want to you can go as deep or as Um, far as you want to just for the introduction cool i'm a saint louis native um grew up in the county uh graduate of kirkwood high school um yeah pause for everyone you know coming up with their preconceived notions of kirkwood high school (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i i love the city i'm um I'm descendant of educators and um, social workers and people who um, use all of their time and energy to help other people and that's always been a part of my identity.
0: Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. Okay, so I like to start these episodes the exact same way, every single one. Mental health check. How are you? How has 2023 been for you? Where are you today on this 13th day of February? Mm -hmm. Yes.
1: Ooh, I am somewhere in the ether, I would say. Okay. Um, you know, I'm in the middle of a really trying time Mm -hmm. in my life. Um, I am not working full-time and like I'm you know, I'm the kind of bitch like I had my first job at 14 Like I will work for a paycheck Uh Um, But then also I'm in a time in my life where I'm seeing how those patterns haven't always served me and so I'm you know not Making as much as I want, but mm-hmm. also trying to avoid the panic of that, mm-hmm. trying to heal myself. Um, and also what has been so, so important is trusting my community. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been so many times, I, you know, I was just kind of thrown into this, this panic, um, just describing my life right now, <laughs> where my community has responded with, like, I've got you. Yeah. And it's one thing to, like, say it, and one thing to know that they have your back. It's another thing to, like, desperately need it, Mm -hmm. not have any other choice or option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But to take someone's help and to trust that. Um, And that's really difficult but it's maybe like some of the most important lessons I've learned in my life is Mm -hmm. that I am deeply loved and that people don't see it as a burden to help me Mm -hmm. and to pour into me when I am struggling. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's a beautiful thing to be able to even experience and I wouldn't experience it if I wasn't in this shitty ass Horrible ass (laughs) place in my life materially, materially shitty, community rich. And I
0: think that's that's something we don't realize enough is that, especially as black people, we're kind of wired by generations before us to be strong and to not need anybody else. And I feel very deeply in my soul because <laughs> that's why a lot of us have that issue of being a burden. We don't mm-hmm. want to be a burden. We don't want to be, we don't want to put somebody out. I don't want to put you out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I can't tell you how many times I've said that in my life. I don't want, I don't, I didn't want to put anybody out. Yeah. Are you sure? Are you yeah. six times? I'm in the car with you.
1: Are you sure you can take me? Like, <laughs> are you sure it's yeah. okay? Yeah, we
0: oh black people.
1: There is an art to accepting love.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so many things around us are constantly telling us that we don't deserve that. Mm-hmm. We didn't work hard enough. We didn't do enough. We weren't smart enough. We weren't good enough. Mm-hmm. Um and just ignoring all of that and just knowing that like the people that you love love you and mm-hmm. they don't have a problem loving you.
0: Yeah. It's, it's not a burden. Uh, it's, it's not scary. taken away from them. Yeah, it's scary it's having so to rely scary. on that
1: because let's be honest. Sometimes the experiences you're relying on it and those people aren't there, mm-hmm. um, and my heart goes out to anybody who's ever had to experience that. Um, but luckily, in this space that I'm in, where I'm just not good Mm -hmm. like the real answer to the question is like i'm not good there are lots of things that are wrong that are out of place but i have to acknowledge that i'm here breathing Mm -hmm. able to smile because people really truly have my back and um it's a trip
0: it's difficult, it's very difficult, and I, I want to talk a little bit, before we get into the deep stuff, which this, I guess, is kind of deep, I want to talk a little bit about, I introduced you as, as Dr. Amber Jones, mm-hmm. talk to me about going through the process of getting a doctor. talk to me about your history with education, you're a descendant of educators, mm-hmm. just the way you carry yourself is as mm-hmm. an educator, if I didn't know, if my partner didn't tell me who you were and what you were about before you walked into this room, I would be like, Are you? <laughs> you have that you have that and i almost said mothering but it's not mm-hmm. mothering it's a very um i don't know what the word is even to describe there's, it but there's it's,
1: nurturing there's nurturing it's a, it's a and specific nurture it's
0: very specific yeah. and i've experienced it so many times mm-hmm. with some of the teachers that i still keep contact with and some mm-hmm. of the people in my life who have educated me who weren't necessarily teachers mm-hmm. it's so apparent in you and it's so mm-hmm. beautiful. So, talk Thank to you. me about your Thank history you. of education.
1: Um. uh Well, like, it's funny that you say that because I that wasn't the plan. Okay. Oh, yeah. um, you know, like, growing up, like, some of, like, you know, those uh, real formative moments mm-hmm. were, like, times I was arguing with someone and I was, <laughs> Fighting with my mom or my brother um, they very from a young age knew that like Amber is on Amber's side mm-hmm. and so sometimes Amber's side will align with mom sometimes Amber's side will align <laughs> with Ben but she's always on Amber's side but at the end of the day <laughs> yeah it's Amber's side um, and and so like my mom would make these jokes like oh you you want to argue so much why don't you grow up and be a lawyer and I was like oh I was like That's an idea. Um, Because on television... Lawyers are the people who are really smart, mm-hmm. and they see what's going on, and they say the quip yeah. when it's time to it's say the quip. Glamorous. And I was just like, "Yeah, oh, and the dress nice." Uh-huh. Um, and like, I very much wanted to be Claire Huxtable. Yes, she was a lawyer. She could sing. Um, had a glorious hair. I could never sing a note. I'm so jealous of people. <laughs> Listen, like it took me a long singers, time to get yeah. to where I am with my voice and to be comfortable with mm-hmm. where my voice is. I, I still have a, a fantasies of like gravelly voice lounge singer. Like that might be one of my lives. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so like I, I was like lawyers, they're smart. Um, that's what I want to be. I want to be the smart one in the room. Um and I grew up in Kirkwood schools. Like I went through Kirkwood schools all of my years. So my older brother, same with my um, older cousin. And you know, like <laughs> I talked with you before. Like I'm a sweetheart. It is apparent. Like I couldn't wipe the sweetheart off of me if, <laughs> if I tried. If you even tried. Um. Yeah. Uh, you. <laughs> Like, do you want to hear a little bit about Little Sweetheart <laughs> Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and just, like, my refusal to ever change. Um, so, like, me and my brother rode the bus to school. <laughs> and, like, my brother, he's a few years older. And so, like, there was, like, one day I got on the bus and all, like, the seats were taken. I went to my brother and I was like, Ben, can I sit with you? And he was like, no. And I was <laughs> like, right fine, know. I know. You- he plays hard. He's softer than me. Anyway, I hope he never sees this anyway. Um, and so like I search and search and search and the only open seat is all the way in the back. And you know, that's where the bad kids sit. Uh-huh. But that's little right, sweetheart Amber um was like, Oh well, like it's it's the seat that's open, so the uh, sweetheart's sweetheart sitting there today. Yeah. <laughs> Um, So I'm sitting there and then like this girl comes on and like I could feel like the energy shift like something's gonna happen. (laughs) So this girl comes and she's like you're in my seat and I just look at her and I was like well... (laughs) I was like, there's enough room for both of us? <laughs> like, I'm literally going into mode like, okay, Amber, now it's time to make a friend. <laughs> like, and friend. Yeah, I was like, this is what's happening now. <laughs> <laughs> and like, this girl's like talking to me like I don't speak English or something. She's like, you're in my seat. And I'm like, I said, like, oh, there's good. room for both of us. Like, I'll scoot over, but there's room for both of us. And then, like, almost in slow motion, like, I see her, like, look over her shoulder and then look back and just, like, pop me in the eye real quick. Oh my and God. Like, ah! like, I don't even know if I felt it, but I just started screaming at the top of my lungs. Mm-hmm. My brother knows, like, oh, God, that's my sister. <laughs> I should have just. I'm gonna get in so much trouble. I should have just, just let, let her stay with
0: me. Oh my god.
1: Oh my gosh. And so, like, and of course, like little sweetheart, light skin, amber, I have like a little like black eye. It was ridiculous. <laughs> so like, I had to like go to my mom and tell her. <laughs> sorry, this is, it turns out the girl who hit me her older brother had had an issue with my older brother and like years ago I had like heard that there was some kid who threw a brick at Ben and that ended up being like her older brother and so my mom was like oh my god (laughs) like I have a problem with these people again and so and my mom who is you know she raised the sweetheart and so she is a very like straightforward but like in the history of her life, she was the punk. Like, she had an older sister and older cousins who fought her fights for her. And she is the one who would, like, cry if someone looked at her the wrong way. Yeah. But she's in this situation and she finds out that, like, their mother, like, lived in, like, the next town like not town over the street over mm-hmm. so they were like neighbors essentially and so like called them up to try to like talk with them about it and like um and so my mom is like walking up the street to like meet these these kids parents and she sees this whole group of people walking towards her and my brother is like oh my god <laughs> they're gonna beat me up <laughs> she was like oh my god oh my god oh my god uh, but she was like i gotta i gotta show my babies this is how you deal with conflict oh god and so she's walking up the street to these people and she's so nervous and then she doesn't even get all the way up there and then they recognize her So at the time, my mom was working at this place called Metroplex, and they're basically like just like a social work agency. Mm -hmm. And so they did like the um, you know, helping people pay their bills and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And one of the people in the gang recognized my mom, like, that's the Metroplex (laughs) lady, she helps us with stuff, Mm -hmm. and like. That was the day my mother survived. <laughs> it was not. Come political. on, Metroplex oh, lady. Yes, and so, you want to, and like, so, like, it off. This, uh, so, like this experience to little sweetheart Amber mm. is like cool. You never have to fight as long as you're a good person. You're okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> little sweetheart brain Mm. Uh, and so anyway so this has always been like just a legendary story to me (laughs) Um, just as how hilarious (laughs) it would have been if my mom got beat up
0: I got the visual of like a whole family of people like walking up and your mom just being like
1: what do I do? what do I do? (laughs) run (laughs) run! She was like, she raised little sweetheart kids, and their kids bullied. Like she was like, I'm not, I'm not, I can't do this. This ain't me. Yes. Oh my gosh. And so I use that story because it was, it was definitely like a core memory for me. (laughs) Like we all escaped annihilation. And I don't know, like this something imprinted on me that like you know I don't have to change Mm -hmm. for these people yeah um like and i can't like i look back i was like yeah that was a goofy little kid but also like i was a little kid yeah you know i was like i kind of stand by it (laughs) you know
0: that philosophy is pretty good to go by yeah
1: I i don't see a problem with it like yeah i you know got my black eye and stuff but um all in all I was like that's a win for us <laughs> and anyway <That's> <laughs> so like my mom raised me to be a punk I've had <laughs> lots of people I say that to are like ooh don't say that about yourself <laughs> and I'm just like, uh, <laughs> I was just like it's true it's and truth. it's just part of who I am and so like that's a big part of it um, also, like, along with that sweetheartness, is just, like, I was naturally smart. Mm-hmm. And I liked being smart. I liked getting attention from adults for being smart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in days before, I was able to understand, like, you know, there was a difference between how they um, viewed me as a little light-skinned girl mm-hmm. um, versus, like, the other black girls that I went to school with. Um, but I just that clicked for me. I knew I was good at school. I liked learning. I was always a big nerd. Um, But even then, I didn't really see education as my thing. Um, The other big influence in my life was my aunt, um, Patricia Pendleton. She was a kindergarten teacher in SLPS for over 30 years. And um, so like another layer of me when i talk about like being kind and i and um like what you were saying before like the teacherness mm-hmm. of me um i 100 picked that up from auntie pat because at, she walked talked breathed being a teacher mm-hmm. like there was like i i look back at times just like talking with her and i was like oh all of that was pedagogy <laughs> Like, down to the way she spoke to children, Mm -hmm. I'll always remember, like, her voice had a different softness to it when she was speaking to a child. And just the way that that communicates so many things to a child. Mm -hmm. And just so, like, those layers of, like, you know, that's on purpose.
0: Yeah.
1: And all of it was to serve children. And that's just how i kind of absorbed what it meant to be a grown woman Mm -hmm. um like before i had made the connection to this is this is how teachers live and this is how a master teacher lives Mm -hmm. um so i still didn't know i was going to go into education but i always had questions in my head about education and Mm -hmm. Often specifically about my older brother's experience in schools, um, where, you know, I was a sweetheart. Like, he wasn't necessarily different from me. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, um, a black male can't really be a sweetheart in all the same ways. But, like, he was not a troublemaker. Mm -hmm. Like, he was polite. Mm -hmm. He was all the same things that, like, kind of got me special treatment. Um, But he was a boy and so it was different and so so much of the drama of our lives were like you know how to encourage Ben like how how do we counteract this world that's like constantly killing him like Mm -hmm. granted we're being killed too but um, there was more of an emphasis on just how this was affecting my brother yeah. to, you know, good and bad ends. Um, and so that was always on my mind. Um, and I went to college, I was, you know, just being good in school still and and trying to feel out like I was pre-law but I didn't really like any of my pre-law classes <laughs> and so I was like just trying to figure out how I felt about that I was like, huh um, and then I was introduced to this program called the McNair Scholars Program. Okay. I've never um, heard of it. It's a trio program. Have you heard of those at all? Well.
0: I went to one semester of art school. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> the McNair Scholars Program is, um, one, it's uh, named for Ronald E. McNair a really amazing. He's a black, um, what's the word I'm looking for, astronaut. Um, he died in the Challenger, and like his life is really, really amazing. And so it's a huge tragedy that his life was lost. But this organization was um, named in his honor, and the idea of it is just take underrepresented people and teach them how to do research, show them that there is a life in the future in doing research in higher education. And you know, I applied for it because it was a special thing, and that's what I did. I, I applied to special things. Mm-hmm. And I often got them. So I, I applied to this. Um, and like, <laughs> to not make the story longer, like at one point I even like missed my interview and I had to beg them to let me interview. And then I was like I was like in rare form when I was convincing them to let me into this mm-hmm. program, mm-hmm. even though I didn't know really what for yet. But they let me in, um, by the grace of God, and that first summer, they were like, okay, we're going to teach you how to do research. Um, just choose a question, any question, and you're going to research it and mm-hmm. do a project on it and present it at the end of the summer. That sounds really fun. Um, I yeah. love research. Yeah so great um and so like did it um i was like thinking thinking and then i went back to all those questions i had about my brother's experience in school why was it so different if he wasn't you know a a gangbanger if he wasn't a troublemaker why couldn't they just fucking encourage him why did they have to kill his spirit essentially yeah, and yeah. we had to deal with the aftermath of that um, and just like did that first research project read a bunch of books that I never would have read unless I was trying to answer those questions mm-hmm. um, and like what you just said afterwards um, like we had presented and people ask you questions about your research and you answer and stuff and I was sitting with one of my professors and I was like, this was fun. (laughs) I had a lot of fun doing this. Mm -hmm. And she like looked at me like I was crazy and she was like, you know this is a job, right? This is this is like what I do. This is what you're you're learning to do to have fun. And I was like, what?
0: That's the
1: thing. I always wanted to be the smart one in the room. Like you're saying I can go to grad school and be called doctor. Hmm, that's that's smart. Okay. I was like, because I already wasn't really feeling Mm (laughs) long. And so then I was hooked. Hooked, hooked, hooked um i lucked out and like the next summer so i was applying for to do that again mm-hmm. so i wanted some more research i was mm-hmm. like literally like put in my veins um and the next summer i was accepted into a program at uh university of illinois urbana champaign okay. um because i had done that former summer's research like and turn that in they assigned me to the educational policy studies and that was is led by a scholar uh, called james anderson mm-hmm. um this black man um and that summer was the first time like in educational policy studies, I was in a space where most of the professors were black people, people of color, most of the grad students were all black, and like and I was like sitting in this space and I was like, this is amazing. This <laughs> is like we get to like talk about black people all day and like it like and it was more than like cause Of course, I wanted to like go to Howard, I wanted to go to the Mm -hmm. HBCU, Mm -hmm. but then I didn't get as much um, uh, money from them and I had to go to a place there I could afford Mm -hmm. and I went to Truman. I really, really love Truman. Nothing wrong with Truman. Yeah. Um, But yeah, this was the first like black academic space I had ever been in and it was so different from anything mm-hmm. and you know like I'm in a black sorority like I was in black communities in my college it was not like that and so I was sitting there and I was like okay well this is where I'm going for grad school mm-hmm. and I asked them I was like is there anywhere else in the country like this I was like I only want to apply to places like this um and they were like well Emory And I was like, okay, I guess I'll look them up. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did. When I applied to Emory, they liked me just a bit more. Um, And what was really, really, I don't want to use the word luck, blessed for me, Mm -hmm. like the James Anderson that I worked with at Illinois, he happens to be like, one of the top, top people in the history of black education. And, like, that's where I first, like, kind of got a little hooked on it Mm -hmm. when I went to Emory and met Vanessa Siddle Walker. She's the other... Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, like, there there are several um, big names in the history of black education, Mm -hmm. but she's, like, one of the other, like, big, big names. Um, And just, like, clicked with her, like instantly they liked what I talked about and I talked about like, you know, my journey, asking questions about my brother's experience and I talked about like, you know, loving bell hooks and stuff like that. And they saw something in me and they were like, okay, we're we're taking her and I think there was like a <laughs> like I think all right, in my mind, Vanessa Walker calls up James Anderson, and you're like, well, you can't have her. We're taken. That's exactly what happened. exactly what No happened. other explanation for Oh, there. my gosh. Please, no one reach out to them. <laughs> um, but Definitely yes. not uh, sending an email. <laughs> no, sending an <laughs> No, she loves me. Um, but, yeah, and just, and that... Changed my life forever, um, and I feel like I stumbled into it. I know that I was really blessed to like find it, but it was there that I really like sunk my teeth into the history of Black education, and found within it just like this beautiful story that I was searching for. Mm-hmm. Like it connected with so much because, like, a- along with all my questions about my brother, there were also all these questions about like. Why even like someone like me who was a fucking sweetheart? Why was my experience so much different from my white cop counterparts? Mm-hmm. Why were there so many instances of me fighting for shit that yeah. they were just given? why was that okay in in a school that like boasts like you know they send people to the ivies they they love all of that stuff but like i had to fight really really hard Um, And as I continued with like learning about the history of black education, I also learned so much more about my own education that Mm -hmm. even within our really amazing high ranked school, they were essentially providing a different education for Um, students at the top versus like the rest of them. And like the students at the top, like in all of my classes, I was like one of one black student, but it didn't occur to me until later that there were too many black kids at my school, in my grade, for there to be one of us in every single class. That there were plenty of classrooms that were all black. And what I found is that those classrooms had a very different experience than Mm -hmm. mine and that's something that i've had to just like grapple with um but like that is why i say like when i found the study of the history of black education that could give me answers to that that i experienced and saw but didn't have words for mm-hmm. that is like i'm i'm hooked you know <laughs> like a, a like there was there's nothing else for me but to do this. Um, and on top of that, I just knew all of these answers that meant so much to me. I knew, like, they would have meant a lot to me at 16. Mm-hmm. They would have meant a lot to me at 12. Um, and I wanted to be that person to help bring that to younger versions of me because I'm like, what else can you do with it? Because I didn't get it yeah. until 25. Mm-hmm. Yeah what can you do with it at 16 um and for the most part even though i've had so many ups and downs with my career that has really just started um i've been able to stick true to that and like and that's a gift
0: yes i first of all i didn't really even realize that there was so well, not that i didn't realize but As someone who only did a semester of art school, (laughs) education was something, you know, I I went to McClure, South Berkeley. Um, I always joke that I went to a poor black school, but it's quite true. I went to a poor black school. Um, And all the money went into football and sports and everything. And I remember being in, in, um, excuse me, in plays and our director having to, like, make a lot of our costumes, like, with our own money out of our own pocket or being in mock trial and academic program, and I loved mock trial, but I wasn't in mock trial because of law. I was in mock trial because I got to act. Yeah, and I was that's like, yeah, what I was it like was.
1: he plenty of oh. actors, and then people like me that were dramatic and wanted to go into law. Yeah,
0: oh, I had, gosh. I didn't course. give a damn about law, but I yeah, was there. I'm, like,
1: I'm, a, I'm a full five years older than you, so we definitely didn't cross. But like, oh, uh, yeah. mock trial was fucking real, and it, it was, was awesome.
0: And you know, one just. <laughs> Just to kind of continue the conversation mm-hmm. about being black in in academic spaces. Yeah. So our team is obviously predominantly black. We had mm-hmm. one white person on our team with our, my very good friend, Tammy, who I'm still friends with to the same, mm-hmm. the best lawyer on our team, like that bitch was killer. Mm-hmm. She came into the, the room, almost at the work room,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> she will
0: walk into the room mm-hmm. and like, you know that she is yeah. the one in charge. So like our junior and senior year, our, I, think it was, I think we started my trial our sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And that year, we were just witnesses, and she killed it. And then the next year, she, we both got promoted to lawyers, and she was, like, second lawyer, and I was, like, standing lawyer or whatever, mm-hmm. but I still wanted to be a witness because I wanted to act. Yeah. And then our senior year, she was captain, and I was, like, I guess... What do you call the person under the captain? Is it, like, mm-hmm. assistant captain? I don't know. But she was captain, and I was second yeah. in command. Mm-hmm. And we were both the main lawyers. Nice. And we had this one case... And i mean we drilled it we were there and i forget who f- exactly the scenario but the guy on the other team we were against clayton boys school mm-hmm. the guy on the other team objected to They're his ridiculous. own question oh no, they sucked. Oh. When I was when we went up against them, they we sucked. We had to
1: go against any team where their parents were lawyers. We're like, this is fucking rigged They
0: <laughs> sucked. They were so bad. We mopped the floor with nice. them. Mopped the floor with them. Did not win. They won all three ballots. And this man objected to his own question. And it was like I remember our coach coming in and you know he was disappointed and we were all excited because we very like even the people in the really audience were destroyed like
1: destroyed them
0: we i mean it That's was so- clear and he came in and he was shaking his head and we were furious i wrote an article about it in our school newspaper because mm-hmm. of course i was on the newspaper too but you know it and it, it i don't even know where i was going with that story
1: where was i going with that Um, Being black in academic spaces. Yes.
0: So I didn't even really realize that there were, there was so much depth to being black in academia because Mm -hmm. I grew up black in academia Mm -hmm. and my experience with it, of course, is very different from yours because I, you know, it's high school. Mm -hmm. These are the only people I know. Yeah. I'm not going to, I mean, I would meet other people and go from other high schools and make Mm -hmm. friends and whatever, but. Once I got to college, my, my college was predominantly Korean. Like, mm. It was a lot of white people, a lot of Korean people, and hey! <laughs> um,
1: and
0: <laughs> uh, this is a funny story one time I, my mom called me. Most of my friends were white that I was with up there, except for my best friend. She went to school six blocks away from me. And we were having like a little get together or whatever and I answered the phone. And I guess I answered the phone a little too white for my mom and she told me to nigga up and it was the funniest <laughs> thing. It to this day sends me it makes me laugh so hard. And so I I wanna talk a little bit about rounding that whole anecdote around, I wanna talk a little bit about how being black in academia has affected your mental health or how how uh, striving that hard for something that we don't talk about as black people mm-hmm. how that affects you mentally mm.
1: so many things like the the first thing I thought of when you were talking about that. Like I mentioned, my auntie Pat. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a teacher and she had a master's degree and she always wanted the Ph.D. But like life got in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember like when I called her, like the moment after I like defended my dissertation and stuff and like told her, like she broke down crying. Mm-hmm and I'll never forget that and like and she was like I'm so you know like you know I'm happy for you it's just like you know like it's something I wanted so badly and it was like so impossible and it was it was probably a trip to see, you know, like little Amber, and like I went straight through. Like mm. after no college, or I started anything. grad school immediately. Yeah, <laughs> like wow. so. Let's talk about the impact on my mental health. There, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I went straight through. I ha- I had my PhD at twenty eight. And, like, Congratulations. that was intense. Thank you. Oh, my God. Uh, I was like, if I could flex a little bit. I did flex. get three degrees in 10 years. I mean, you flex between hard. Between 18 and 28. Flex hard. Because yes.
0: all I got between yeah. 18 and 28 was <laughs> depression.
1: <laughs> I got plenty of that. <laughs> yeah.
0: I already had it, I guess. Technically, I was it with me.
1: Like, I... There are so many ways that I was lucky because mm-hmm. like I said, like I landed at Emory and uh our little program was so beautiful. like not only like all black faculty, but like black faculty at the tops of their fields, mm-hmm. like these are the people, but then also people that like take mentorship really seriously, took the culture of our program really seriously where like you know our cohorts were all like really really close um, our, our model is like we're stronger together than we are apart yes. um, and so like when I talk about like being community rich now a mm-hmm. lot of those people are people I went to grad school with that like you know know my struggle know my journey and aren't just there to like you know give me a pep talk but are there to be like okay are your bills paid do you have this? Mm-hmm. Um, and so like the ethic of the place was so beautiful it was exactly what I needed to become the person that I would become um and even that being said like my mental health was atrocious throughout the whole thing (laughs) like there were so many times like I look back and I'm like bitch was I just trying to kill myself like Because, like, there are so many times where, like, one, I was just, like, undiagnosed for everything. Mm -hmm. And also in, like, the first situation where I would even, like have any kind of time to devote to mental health, because like, you know, I was always like, go, 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 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you can't really pause for anything, because yeah. then you don't get what you want. You know, like I said, I started working at 14, because I wanted money to do shit, you know? mm-hmm um and so i that was my first time like you know i'm gonna find a therapist and really wanted to find a black woman i couldn't um and so like i've started seeing like this um, jewish woman and i thought like oh experience with oppression maybe it'll translate um and like and she wasn't a bad lady she was really nice but like i started treating therapy kind of like school mm. where i was like showing up and i'm like this is what i'm going through this is what i did about it Ooh. i did good that
0: was great <laughs> you know, like,
1: can you sign off on this form for me even though like Bitch, you decided to do this. Yeah. Yeah, and I, it didn't quite click for me yet what that time was supposed to be for. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I'm, I'm happy I went through that because now I know, like, how not to be in therapy. Because <laughs> I was just, I wasn't doing anything for myself. I was just showing up. Yeah, and, and to her credit, like, that's what she said to me. She was like, I feel like you want, like, a gold star or something. Or, like, I feel like you're just giving me a report. Mm-hmm. And, like, and I just... I couldn't see past that level to Uh the level I really needed to be on. Even though I was there trying to deal with the stuff that I was dealing with, I couldn't figure out how to show up in the right way. And, like, I kind of attributed to it, like, I didn't choose the right person. Like, she was nice. Mm -hmm. Obviously, she was a professional, she didn't make me feel like alone or anything, but. I just wasn't gonna open up to her the way I would open up to a black woman. Um, but one good thing that did come out of that experience is one, she didn't like introduce me to just the concept of attachment styles, mm-hmm. and like that opened a lot of just like doors for me as far as understanding myself. Um, but and also um, and. I started medication in that time Mm -hmm. and like, and medication just like took to my brain really, really well. (laughs) I know other people don't have a great experience, but like, I almost remember like, it almost felt like a light switch and I was like, huh, things that used to bother me don't as much i have more time in my day i'll take it <laughs> you know and like and i was good on that and like it was wellbutrin which like my issues are more with like anxiety and wellbutrin's mm-hmm. not supposed to be good for that but like it worked for me because brains are weird yes um, they are <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I still, even with that, I think it was mild enough that I didn't take it super seriously that if I, like, forgot and didn't get it refilled, it wasn't that big of a deal, and Mm -hmm. I would eventually come around and refill it again. So, like, I wasn't building good gains, really. Uh And I didn't really realize how to do that. Right. Um, And eventually, I just started, like, forgetting about my therapy sessions and then so i still had to pay so eventually i just stopped mm-hmm. and i was like oh, okay but uh, i kept the medication that helps me so i'll just do that um even then like yeah my mental health was not great even though i had great supports i didn't know yeah. how to take advantage of them and i also like there's a part of me that like when i'm stressed there's a part of me that wants to just like dial it up Mm. even more like as if i'm trying to test my limits and so Uh like yeah yeah there'll be times where if i'm already burning the candle at both ends bitch why don't we try burning you find a third end yes it's like like, what happens let's see
0: yeah yeah but,
1: as if the logical conclusion is you die you yeah, run out of, candle, you run out of bitch, candle there's no candle left there's no candle I
0: relate so deeply to that <laughs> we talked a little bit earlier like before we were recording mm-hmm. and everything about how I had done 13 shows in 13 mm-hmm. months and how it was yeah. right I was like you are the baddest bitch you are mm-hmm. actor director mm-hmm fucking every single thing you could possibly be in the theater, you have done it, honey, and you are serving it to the children. Disease
1: is better. And the
0: second I stopped, I was like, ooh, what's that pain? Yeah. Ah. Everything hurts, but not physically, mentally. But also physically, somehow I am also physically in pain. Mm. It's so scary and I want especially as creatives, us people who, who um, sit outside the boundaries, we have this tendency to feel like we're not worth anything if we're not working mm. anything. You're not worth anything if you're not working anything.
1: Woo! That was oh, a message. Yeah.
0: Listen, that was a word. But Listen. you are worth so much. Yeah, All the time. Because that creativity never goes away. That energy that light that presence that you have never goes away even when you're not actively using it and i you know now that i'm starting this journey of having a podcast and Mm -hmm. trying to grow that way and be independent and make money myself Mm -hmm. i also have to still be like don't push yourself too much yeah because just like you i'm like Go, 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 you got to do it, you totally. have to do it now, you have yeah. to do it now. Like Sometimes I just have to give myself a day with my Nintendo Switch and my mm-hmm. Pokemon games and I'm just like, you know what, turn it off.
1: Decompress, yeah.
0: Turn it off. So, on the topic of that, mm-hmm. what are some of your techniques or coping skills or ways that you decompress when you feel like you've put too much self, too much self, <laughs> mm-hmm. too much on yourself?
1: Mm-hmm. Well... For me, I have to like learn things the hard way sometimes. Same. I just, I just want to learn it. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, I got to a point, like, this is after grad school, and I have my first job, and I'm teaching high school where I'm pushing, 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 and my body is finally like, nah, bitch, we're breaking now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my brain starts doing some scary things. <laughs> Where like like I was dreaming that I was drowning. Mm. Uh, of course, like Amber, get the symbolism. Yeah, like I was dreaming that I was drowning, and when I woke up, like I knew I was awake. My eyes were open, but my brain still felt like I was drowning, and I couldn't breathe. Oh my god! And I'm sitting here like pounding my chest to fully wake myself up so I can breathe again. And it only takes a few seconds, but then I'm just like. <laughs> and I was, was like that, that was bad that was bad what just happened here brain and my brain was just like you are getting the message
0: uh, I gave I'm it to you in real life and in dreams like bitch I will kill you if 2 plus 2 is, two is, is 4 it? <laughs> if 5 plus 5 was 10 yeah. <laughs> I
1: was like we can't keep pushing like this mm-hmm. um, and and so just having the real visceral <laughs> memory of that mm-hmm. is what keeps me from going there <laughs> again yeah. and so like now um that and like a lot of that happening right before the pandemic and that beautiful quarantine time that we had i am so very
0: glad that i'm not the only one that felt good oh, with quarantine after the first miss month
1: It's so much
0: after the first month the first month, I wanted to learn how to surgically remove my skin. I yeah. was like, I'm going crazy. But as something about month two, Stop.
1: I was like... Wait a minute. Freedom! Yeah. I wrote Actually the rest of my album. go. Yeah. It was such a beautiful time that, again, was so important to me because I had been going at that breakneck speed. Mm-hmm. And I had broken a little bit. Um, and so it was just really welcome having that space oh god and I'm, I'm sad because I'm like we'll never have anything like that again <laughs> even though we need it I was like we'll never have it we, again
0: you know I and
1: I can't I, like I hope I have children so I can explain to them how beautiful and weird that time was it was really I was like, Imagine just letting go of
0: everything work responsibilities
1: stores not open
0: now see we just talked about this i love going to the grocery store now i know like i love to peruse i love a peruse yeah that was
1: hard at that time i did not have trouble letting that
0: go (laughs) i was like well i was living in my grandparents basement at the time so it was that piled on top of it i was like damn if i had my own space I would be thriving right now. And I just kind of had to make the best of that situation. It was like, I had my own space. <laughs> it
1: was so you nice. You know? Um, I immediately realized how much time and preparation I put into just being around other people. Mm. Mm. In some way that mm-hmm. I thought like made me acceptable. And like being able to let that go literally changed Beautiful. my life. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's a part of me that is still in quarantine. <laughs> I will never leave Honestly, quarantine. Same. Doesn't want anything of this oh, future.
0: <laughs> I just really want to... I, I need to be at a place where I can go away for three months into a cabin in the woods and just write... And just create and make and mm-hmm. I I know there's a lot of creatives that are similar in this in that way where they need that alone time but mm-hmm. they also need the life experience yeah and I feel like okay so I put out my lap my last album statues comments stream it everywhere um, I put it out it's been oh my god it'll be a year on March 31st so we'll have been out for a year um, and I feel like in the year that that album has been out, I have experienced so much more life mm. and I'm ready to start writing the next album. And like, honestly, right now would be a good time to just like shut it down for like three months. I write really fast, I write so fast, mm. <laughs> I would be able to bang out a whole album. Yeah. Or even just a small EP. Yeah. The rest of the play that I'm working I just on. I need the like,
1: whole world to shut down. Mm-hmm. Again. I need everybody because to it shut wasn't up. just that like you were standing still. It was everybody was standing still. Oh.
0: And I feel I don't know if you ever feel bad about it, but not not necessarily bad, mm-hmm. but. So many people were so negatively affected by the pandemic. I
1: I feel bad in that, like, I was able to have that space because I wasn't furloughed Mm -hmm. because of all of these different things. Um,
0: Yes. Well, I was furloughed. um, I I was furloughed, but I was collecting that check from the government and it was a nice little check. It got us this apartment. Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah, but I... I miss the government checks. I miss those government checks too. (laughs) Uncle John, one more. Just one more round. Just for all times <laughs> since you can't cancel student loan dad give me one more round of talk stimulus. about that betrayal i was so mad so mad. anyway we will go into that because yeah. that will be a downward this is spiral. about
1: mental wellness mental wellness
0: <laughs> so um damn i had a question in my head and i totally duped myself by talking about uncle joe and the stimulus checks um <laughs> Right. Oh, I, I I was gonna say I wrote this song. It didn't make it onto the album, but I think I'm gonna put it on the next one after yeah. I tweak it and make it better because mm-hmm. it's not great right now. But it was called Pandemonium, and it was about being like um, I always call, still to this day, the pandemic. I call it the Pandemonium because it was, I, although there weren't people running around the streets, everybody was running around the streets like crazy, like the world was on fire. And I wrote this song about that and, and about how healing that time was for me yeah they y'all hear it one day it's actually not bad but it's not good either uh, which is why i never got recorded um so diving a little bit into my little script here because i have a question that i wanted to ask you you talked a little bit about um medication and it's been, I have never been medicated. I was, mm-hmm. I was prescribed medicine. I never took it because of mm-hmm. my own internalized fear. And I also felt like I didn't need it. I was just kind mm-hmm. of going, asking for a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me a little bit. I know you said it kind of instantly helped you, but talk mm-hmm. to me about how that, what, how that moment was for you when you realized that like, oh wow, life can be okay.
1: Yes, uh, and I love talking about my experience with medication, especially one because I've, everyone's brain is different. Mm-hmm. Um, And I feel like before my experience with medication, I only really, like, heard, like, one kind of story, but I'll get into it. Like, so I started off, like, my first medication I um, ever did was Wellbutrin. It was a really low dose. Um, I've since learned that Wellbutrin is, like, one of, like, the mildest ones. Um, And really, like, antidepressants in so many um, ways are very, very mild, most Mm -hmm. of them. Um, and so, like, it kind of, like, made sense that, like, it, really the difference that I could tell was I would experience things that I knew at a previous time would upset me and I would be distracted and have that kind of feeling on me all day, probably. Mm -hmm. And I noticed almost, like, right away, like, the same kind of thing would happen. And I was like, actually, this, I don't feel that, like, it was almost like a, a blanket that would be like, put like a weighted thing on my shoulder that mm-hmm. I had to carry around all day. And then like, it would happen again and just that weight isn't on me. I, don't, I didn't have to carry it all day. And mm-hmm. like, that was cool with me. I was just <laughs> like, nice, like mm-hmm. it's mild. I really didn't feel any other like side effects or anything from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was good. Um, and like, that's the only one I use for a really long time. Um, but like all things, things change. Mm -hmm. Um, fast forward a few years when I'm going through complex grief disorder after I lost my dad and I'm working like the hardest job I've ever had, but hopefully will ever have. Mm -hmm. Um, which is just a high school teacher. (laughs) Um, and so, and like at that point where I'm pushing, 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 um, and because of just like the very specific things that grief was doing to anxiety, that I thought like I knew, mm-hmm. you know, like I kind of lived with this my whole life. I've had this experience dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, grief changed it. it. It made it a much meaner animal. Mm. And all of a sudden, it's like me in this vicious thing. And so, when I finally did like make enough space to talk with my psychiatrist about it, um, uh, that's when I was put on different kinds of medications. Like I kept the Wellbutrin. Mm-hmm. Um, one he put me on was um, um and I think it's a generic of Prozac. Okay um and this one it was described to me it was like literally for like uh, because i was having these horrible panic attacks that were just debilitating Mm -hmm. um and like and that one was for just like the part of my brain that like goes to have panic attacks and it's one that you take every day and just eventually you'll feel the the panic attacks taper off Mm -hmm. my experience with it is like that was the first time I kind of felt what I had heard antidepressants were like. Mm-hmm. Where like on my original dosage of it, like I did feel flat. And that was weird for me. Um, I did have like sexual um, kind of like side effects where it's like literally you can't excite your body at all. Mm-hmm. Like, to, to get rid of the panic attacks, you can't even reach no. an excited yeah. state. And so it was weird where, like, I couldn't really, like, cry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I felt really, like, flat. And I was just like, I, like many people, I hated that feeling. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it. But I was in such pain at that point. I was just like, but this is what I gotta do. Because I'm literally not able to live my life without right my mental state was going um but i talked with my psychiatrist about it told him about like the side effects and stuff and feeling flat and he was just like you can take half of it and once i switched to half that stopped Mm -hmm. like um and so like or i would say like there were two tapering off moments like it got better after like that two three four week getting used to it, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until after I had gotten used to it that I talked to my psychiatrist. And then my psychiatrist says, you can take half. Mm-hmm. And when I took half, then it absolutely went away. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. I was really afraid that I had to choose yeah, one or the other. Yeah. Um, and I was like, you know, choosing that because it was what was I needed for my mental health. But like, let's be honest you wouldn't want to live that way for a long time and it would be much more likely I would just stop taking that medication Mm -hmm. rather than, you know, deal with the side effects of it. Um, and so like, that was weird. Um, So that was one extra medication that was put on. The other, and one that I recommend to anybody, is that was put on a um, sleep medication. Mm. Um, This one was Trazodone. Okay. I heard Um, of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like literally, it's the way Trazodone works is like you take it right before bed and it just works to send that signal to your brain that it is time to go to sleep. Um, So, like, before I'm put on Trazodone, like, even though I was already going through a horrible time, I was talking to my psychiatrist, and he had, like, asked me this question before. He was like, how are you sleeping? And I was like, oh, I sleep fine, you know? Um, And he was like, how are you sleeping? How many hours? How restful is it? And I was like, oh, like, you know, like, five or six, sometimes four. And he was like, (laughs) Um, Yeah, and so, gave me the Trazodone, and literally, I didn't realize that I would go to bed, and my brain would be turning, 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 and I would sit there just thinking for the longest time and wishing I could fall asleep. Mm -hmm. With the Trazodone, I could just fall asleep and, like, have actual deep, restful sleep, not Mm -hmm. that, like, kind of, like, light, barely asleep. yeah, Yeah. That's how I sleep. And so, like, that out of all the medications I think had the deepest effect on me that I didn't even know what good sleep could do for my wellness mm-hmm. um, like I wasn't giving myself any time and so with like the grief on top of it I found that I really needed like 9-10 hours of sleep a night just to function in my job regularly mm-hmm. um, but once I got that Trazodone and I could have good restful sleep for 19 hours a night like that saved my life yeah um and then like the third medication i got at this time um i think it's called escitalopram these are all like generic um, mm-hmm. and this one i i call that one my chill pill Um, Where literally, if I was having a big, horrible panic attack, then you take that pill and it's like an as-needed thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And that one worked for me really, really well. Like, I found, like, it it didn't even take a whole lot to kind of, like, set off, like, a pre-panic attack where I could feel, like, my heart beating out of my chest. And Mm -hmm. I would take my chill pill and then it would stop. Uh Uh-huh. And, like, that was awesome for me. And so... I've kind of gone back and forth, like, as I stabilized a little bit more, um, like, again, I've kind of fallen into my bad habits of, like, not keeping up with my medications after they've done so much for me, mm-hmm. um, but, like, the one I definitely want to, like, kind of keep maybe forever is the Trazodone <laughs> because, like, it makes such a huge
0: difference i i know a lot of us don't really realize how important sleep is i and you can ask ronnie i sleep terribly like i and i feel like i've always been kind of a bad sleeper Mm -hmm. i i always have and i don't have nightmares Mm -hmm. and that's another thing that i'm like not necessarily worried about Mm -hmm. and this will get a little bit into the more spiritual witchy side of myself but like Mm -hmm. i want to remember my dreams Mm -hmm. because i know that there is a message not necessarily in every dream Mm -hmm. but i do like to remember my dreams for my own sake Mm -hmm. and i i don't worry necessarily that i won't have dreams or that i will forget them more so when i wake up Mm -hmm. but I don't know, I guess I just don't want my dreams to be affected. I've always mm-hmm. found solace in dreams, even though I don't sleep very much. Mm. When I do get, like, a good sleep and I have a really, like, vivid dream, which is, the dreams are vivid all the time, but, like, sleeping and actually remembering the dream, mm. it's like a it's like yeah, a weird yeah. therapy for me. Like, I feel like I got something from it. I'm like, okay, there's a message there. Let me write this down. Let me figure out what is there. But that's just, mm. you know...
1: Like, one thing, one, I hope that you give yourself the time to get the real rest mm-hmm. you deserve, um, because it really is a game changer, um, especially because, like, you connected with me on, like, that, The tendency we have to try to work ourselves to death, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, that that is not good, no. and, um, and your body, you know, it's kept you alive, these really really horrible years where lots of things have been trying to mm-hmm. kill you um including and my so, body yeah and so <laughs> i just i i hope that you know whether it's medication or whatever that you find a, a real good rest i, I it's a, it's a game changer i hope so
0: too and like the few times that i have had what I feel to be really, really like good rest and like waking up the next day, feeling rejuvenated. Like Sunday, a couple of Sundays ago, I was just so exhausted. Like work has been crazy busy. I've been working a lot. And like, I, can't, I came home Sunday and I was like, I need to take a nap. And I slept for like an hour and a half, woke up and I felt like a brand new person. So like, I, I have moments mm. If I sleep too much, like if I get 8 hours of sleep, mm. I wake up the next day feeling like woo. But if I get like 4 or 5 hours of sleep, I wake up the next day still a little woo, but like mm. more alert and ready to take on the day. Mm. And it's I, I I just feel like that's not good. <laughs>
1: I was trying not to judge you too harsh. No, I feel like um, it's not good. Yeah, I was like, when you say like, oh, when I get eight hours, I wake up you I was like, you should try ten. <laughs> oh. I was like, I was like, for me, that says more sleep, not less. The
0: only time I've ever slept ten hours mm. is when I have I have chronic migraine. So mm. when I have a really bad migraine, and I like
1: yeah,
0: out, and I wake up still feeling good. Like mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, like whatever works best for you, mm-hmm. but. I hope you find like that good, good rest. I mean, because working it on
0: it saved my life. Here on Mental Health Chat Monday, we have a model, like I said at the beginning, bear turning mental illness into mental wellness. What does mental wellness look like to you?
1: Mm. Mental wellness to me, um, uh, I get a very specific image in my mind. Uh, like I make a vision board every year Mm -hmm. um and you know like we do this stuff like clipping out of magazines and stuff and like there was this part that i cut out of the magazine like you've heard like the term like booked and busy Mm -hmm. um like, I, I had cut out Booked, Busy, and Blessed, mm-hmm. and I was just like, you know what, I don't really want to be busy, so I just put Booked, booked and, and Blessed, blessed. Yeah. <laughs> on it, and like, and I was like, and like, universe, please witness, I don't want to be busy, but I do want to be blessed. blessed. Like, I was yes. like, I want everything that I need, I want all the things covered, mm-hmm. but I I don't really need to be busy. I don't need to be stressed out here. Mm -hmm. And so, I guess wellness for me is realizing that that is wellness. (laughs) And that, um, I don't know, of all the things that I'm worried about, because I'm like scared of so many things right now mm-hmm. that and it's still okay to not work myself to death and i don't need to do that in order to be okay mm-hmm. um and so just like accepting that in all of the ways trying to be patient mm-hmm. and not i guess like just not punishing myself and like the ways that i used to punish myself when things weren't going well Mm -hmm. um and just realizing you know i still have me you know just like what erica said all you got to do is hold on to yourself Mm -hmm. and like i've done that and to be proud of that um is what wellness means to me
0: that's beautiful i love that response i love that answer i always say uh wellness to me is knowing that i'm gonna live with this thing that i have this this depression this person in my head that hates mm-hmm. me uh, but keeping my foot on this neck yeah because you're gonna be here but you're not gonna be here mm-hmm. all the time um and then one final thing mm-hmm. leave us with a, a a piece of advice for allies and how mm-hmm. they can be in our corner Ooh. and help us um support us I
1: think the best things that people around me have done is just like listen Mm -hmm. and let me process things the way I need to process Um, I think people have been really good at being there when I ask for help um, but not being there if I'm not asking for help Mm -hmm. Um, and just kind of letting me go through my journey and so uh my advice would be like hold space for people um because everyone's working really really hard to figure it out yeah and it might like something might seem really simple to you like oh of course you should do this um but they still need their space to get there And so there's a difference between, like, you know, giving advice and whatever and just holding space for people. Um, And that's often what they need to redirect however they want to redirect.
0: Yes, absolutely. You know, that's been kind of the the overarching Hmm. theme of this season so far is listening and giving people space. And I love that. No matter how different everybody's answers are to these questions, Mm. no matter how different everybody's story is and their backstory, I love that it all goes back to listening. Yeah. Because I think as a people, we need to listen to each other a lot more and not just with our ears, but with our Mm. hearts. Yes. Uh, And that, oof, mm, I love it. Dr. Amber Jones. Thank you so much for being here. It was absolutely lovely to meet you. Before we go, I want you. I already know what you need to plug, and <laughs> I'm giving you. you the space right now Thank to plug you. it. Uh, I need. I need the world to know about this. What are you? What do you? What do you have to plug for us today? Because I've already seen it. I love it, and I think the world is gonna love it.
1: Um, well, so yes, um, well, I would just like to share with you, um, this that I'm holding. It's called The Grind Journal. Uh, you can learn all about it at thegrindorg.com. Um, but basically this is a guided wellness journal, um, for anyone who's interested in doing social justice work. It is created by, inspired by, um, black women. Um, and there's so many little goodies in here um, that will help you think about your intersectional identities, think about your ancestors, Mm -hmm. hold space, and what that means for the work that you want to do in the world. Um, We created this because we want to live in a world that is transformed by all of our good ideas and how we heal ourselves and others, and this is a tool to do that. So um, check out The Grind Organization. Um, we are on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, you can check me out. I am TreeSop22 on Instagram and The Amberness on Twitter.
0: Yes, all of that will be linked down below. I got a chance to thumb through The Grind Journal. And let me tell you, it it is transformative. I just holding it in my hands and being able to look through. It's gonna come in multiple. And colors. it comes in two colors. Listen, you know we love options here on uh, Mental Health Show Monday. Uh, did you, absolutely. Did you see the three ribbons? Oh, I didn't notice it was there three are ribbons.
1: Three ribbons.
0: Okay, so you will understand how innovative that technology is when you get your hands on a grind journal because there's so much to do. There's so many beautiful messages Mm -hmm. and imagery and everything about It's just perfect. Mm -hmm. I already told you this, but I just need to tell you again, it is going to change people's lives.
1: Pre-sales will be starting soon. Please check out our website, sign up for our newsletters and you will know when you can get your hands on a grind journal.
0: Yes, I am already like on the list to get mine yes period point blank period everything will be linked down below where, where you can find amber and the grind journal and the website and everything all of that will be linked down below please 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 absolutely 100 percent. visit that link support black women support black business and um, this is going to be transformative absolutely 100 percent. thank you so much for being here today thank you. i adore you already and i've known you for four minutes
1: <laughs> i loved it i loved our whole conversation i want to continue
0: yes uh yeah. well we'll, we'll just, just have to have, like have like you the back
1: real deep shit. yes we'll just yeah. have to have you back there's a um, lot of deep shit. like specifically i would love to come back and talk about mental health and dating
0: mm, okay well you will see dr Amber jones back season two <laughs> don't play with it. <laughs> um yes but we Let's book that. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in to Mental Health Chat Monday. Again, my name is d Bionic. I am at d Bionic on all social media you already know. Uh, and um, I always forget my outro I might even leave this in because I always forget my outro thank you all so much for tuning in again my name is Dieter Bionic I will see you next week with a brand new guest here on Mental Health Chat Monday you can find me in Mental Health Chat Monday on all social media stream, listen, watch, whatever you want to do it doesn't matter, just support black people black business and black women support black women all the time they should
1: be running this damn country okay bye <laughs> Bye. <laughs>